I love Bernie. I wasn't expecting an introduction. Wow, that's nice. Thank you so much. Um, good morning. It's awfully good to be home. Would you stand with me for our reading from the Gospels? We are going to Luke chapter 9. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Lord, there is so much about this text that names where we are and how we are. As you, as you always do, have your face set forward, going about doing good and healing all that are oppressed of the devil, going about doing your Father's business, always on mission, as we sung about this morning going around making all things new. And here we are, Lord, um, always tempted to try to, um, uh, to, to be a little bit too tethered down uh, to, to where we are. And when we're not received, we want to call fire down. And when um, you're moving on, moving forward, we often want to stop and rest and um, take care of things here. I pray today that somehow that what we'll see in here will, um, will shape our hearts in such a way as to, to really send us out on this journey with you, uh, to embrace the adventure of it, um, to embrace the twists and the turns that are just becoming for people who are moving with the wind of the Spirit. Teach us how to hear you, Spirit. Teach us how to move with you, Spirit. We ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We pray. And everybody said, amen. Grab a seat, if you will. I'm curious about, I'm curious about the place that you go when you first wake up and you're not really asleep anymore, but you're not quite awake yet either, and you're kind of in that twilight place sort of in-between place. I find that for most of my life, definitely for most of my adult life that I can remember, 
most of my dreams are set in one of two locations. This is really true. One is at the old Church of God State campground in North Carolina, where I largely grew up. My grandparents had a house there after they retired from the ministry, and my grandfather died um, about, about the time I turned three. My parents even don't really believe that I have memories of him, but I have memories of him that are not from pictures. I will fight for this. They are my, literally my earliest memories. Uh, are, they had this little house up by a pond, and uh, th- this, I actually think this is the first thing I remember in my life, is my grandpa walked me down to the pond, and my mom had bought me these, um, these bright white shoes, and I got mud on them. And I remember specifically coming back home, my mom being very upset that there was mud on my white shoes. And that's how you frame a whole life in terms of issues of shame and grace, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not trying to get all... Freudian or whatever. That is actually my earliest memory. So, and he, he died soon after that. I remember, I just, so I, I, uh, and I remember, I remember the day that my grandfather had a heart attack tending the garden in the back. I remember my dad driving the light powder blue 78 Oldsmobile uh, up to the property. Actually, my mom was driving, and my dad, who knew something was wrong at that point, was so upset that he jumped out of the car before it completely stopped and went running back. These are among my earliest memories of my life. But then I also remember, um, because my grandmother continued to live in that house, all these magical things, like that she, uh, I would spend my summers there. And as you do when you're with your grandma, we watch The Price is Right every day. <laughs> and... She fried cornbread for me every day. I don't know if y'all get that here. Fried cornbread. And she made tang every day, the way that grandmothers do. And it's like that that house and that property, um, where the, the whole Church of God campground there, has such a hold on my imagination that it will be common for me to dream about something happening in my life now, about people that I know now, but, that will, but that'll be the place. That'll kind of be the locale. Or the other house that I largely grew up in from the time I was eight until I was 19, lived in the same house, was a very large house. But it's almost like this black box for my dream, kind of in theater terms. Like it's very much revolving door. A whole different cast of characters from all seasons and stages of life will show up in that house doing different things in the house. And on a regular basis, I mean, really, most of my dreams are set in one of those two places. I'm not, again, trying to use this for a therapeutic experience so much as to say I think there's, there's something about particular places and a sense of place that's incredibly important to us. Um, we are people who need to be nested somewhere. We need a sense of context. We need to know our own soil. We need to be planted somewhere. And wherever it is that we're planted, wherever it is that we call home, wherever it is that we put down roots, these places have real power over our imagination, real power over shaping the kinds of people that we become, the kinds of things that we want out of life. Like everybody has that kind of longing for home. Everybody wants that kind of place. Um, I think we, as people of faith, as people of God, we want that kind of geography spiritually. We want to feel rooted. We want to be anchored. We want to be tethered. All the more so when we're living in a particular season. And I never want to exaggerate the state of the times because everybody always thinks their time is the most chaotic. But I do think we're in a really unique season in the world right now in terms of just wild instability. 
Social structures, ecclesial structures of all sorts are constantly trembling. We don't know where it's landing. Um, in the words of Hebrews, everything that can be shaking is shaking, including us. <laughs> and especially then when we're the ones doing the shaking, I think that sense, that longing for home, that wanting a place, that wanting a particular plot of ground, a particular soil where we can say, this is our spot, this is my place, this is where I belong, this is where I understand the world. We want it so bad. We crave it. We crave it. Sometimes when I have those dreams, I'll wake up with this tangible ache because there's something in me that wants to reconnect with those people and those places, my own story, my own heritage. It's that longing for home that never quite goes away. The thing, uh, given our text this morning, though, that I think is so uniquely challenging in this regard about following Jesus, the whole trajectory of the text, you know, is Jesus is going around, he's got his face set towards Jerusalem, so he's on mission, he's moving forward, the disciples are following along and doing disciple kinds of things, which again, we can recognize ourselves in. They go to a town, they proclaim the good news that Jesus has come, people reject them, they want to call down fire. Jesus is not interested in this business. He rebukes them, but they, keep, they just keep moving forward. And somehow the thing that most grabbed a hold of me this week was this particular part. Not, it never quite hit me this way. They're going along the road. Someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. That's verse 57. Verse 58, Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. That names a lot, I think, of what our lives feel like right now, trying to follow Jesus in a world that feels unstable and unfamiliar, desperately wanting a nest, desperately wanting a hole, desperately wanting some kind of place where we can say, we're here, we've arrived, we're not gonna move any, any further now, like we're, we're, just, we're just here, just ready to be home. And yet we're following this Jesus who's always restless, who's always moving forward. Uh, the kingdom is always taking him different places. So he's taking us different places. And while we live most of our lives with this sense, and I'm not trying to like, I don't want to universalize a thing too far, but I think this is really, really universal. I think most people right now have something just around the corner that you're saying to yourself, if I can just get around the corner with this thing, it's going to settle down. Am I telling the truth? If I can just get moved, if I can just get graduated, if I can just get married, if I can just finish this paper, if I can just finish this project, if I can just get done with this one assignment, if I can just deal with, if I can just, this one relationship that's out of whack, if I can just find a way to deal with that, there's always the sense that just around the corner, things are going to settle down, and it's going to be smooth sailing. Just you and Jesus in your nest, <laughs> fulfilling that desire for that nesting. You've got your own hole, you've got your own spot, and things are going to be safe and secure, and just going to kind of bear down for a while. How's that working out so far? <laughs> right? Because that little plot line resolves just a little. And then immediately it's right on to the next thing. There's something else chaotic. There's something else happening in the world. There's something else happening in your heart. There's something else happening in life. To where that 
you, you really learn to live with that sense of homelessness and that restlessness for so long, you don't know how to live any other way. I think part of the trouble with that, though, is that when we're living with that perpetual kind of restlessness and homesickness, where we never quite feel settled and it always feels like things are still moving forward, I, I don't want to make this just about life circumstance, though. I want to say specifically, at least for me in my life with God, there's always some... I'm an obsessive compulsive person, if you don't know that. There is always an idea. There is always something that burns in my brain. And when I can see one thing, it is all I can, can see. I cannot see anything else. I cannot think about anything else. And when I'm, I find that when I feel like God is really showing me something, he's showing me something about himself, he's showing me something about scripture, he may be showing me it's just something about life or about me, something in me I need to see. I'll see this thing. And I have that same sense. It's like, well, man, I... I have found it right here. And like you would expect for someone who more or less talks for a living, it's like everything that I see, I think, oh, I need to write a book about that. I need to preach a sermon about that. Because everything for me has the sense of like every revelation is always like, now I found the keys. And I, I want to give others the keys because now I found them. Until that sits for a little while, and then something else comes along. Oh, I didn't understand it all. Now I've got the keys. Because that verse in Job, that really showed me. But this thing I've seen in Ephesians changes everything. Come with me. Come with me. On to this next new thing, you know. And my sense at this point is that I'm finally getting to a place to where I'm sure there are a lot of things I can do to settle down more. And I'm trying to do them, right? I believe, in, I believe in spiritual disciplines. I believe in things that root you and anchor you in that way. But I'm really starting to get used to the fact at this point that maybe that sense of feeling really at home and really secure in my nest, my hole, my spot, my whatever, my place, that maybe that's not coming anytime soon. That maybe on this side of the veil... That's not what life ever looks like, that that homesickness never quite goes away, that maybe a life with God is always a life on the move, and there always is more to see, and there always is more to take in. Maybe, um, maybe we just don't get to that place. Um, so I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking in particular that this whole idea of the longing for the nest and for the hole, like this, this spot like to call home, I think... Part of what is as human as that is and as normal as that is, that ache that wants to be fulfilled, I think part of the problem with it is that my desire really is precisely for my own nest. Like I want my nest. I want my safe space. I want my, that, I still find that I'm like this. It's like I love people so much in a way and yet I feel like my deepest, wildest dream in a way is like to get to a place where... <laughs> Everyone will leave me alone. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, I just want to, one day. And I think people, people will think about retirement in those terms. Like, really, you're thinking, how can I get to a place in my life to where outside my immediate family and like my grandkids or whatever, everyone will leave me alone? <laughs> how can I get to that kind of that space? Like, my desire for a nest is very much about, I mean, it is, it is a desire for my space as opposed to your space and everybody else's. I want a whole that's just big enough for me to fit in, right? I just want, like, I want, a, I want, a, I want a house that's going to feel cozy, where I can feel safe and I can feel protected. 
not because I don't love people that I do, but so long as I'm on the move with Jesus, what it feels like is that my heart is always exposed. It feels like I'm always vulnerable to somebody or something else. Life is always changing me. God is always changing me. I learn to live with my heart on my sleeve, and I don't like what that feels like because it means inevitably there's going to be more pain. I want the pain to stop. I want the sense of transition to stop. I want the sense of displacement to stop. And the only way I know how to do that, the only way anybody knows how to do that is to to settle down to a space, put some walls up, and self-protect just a little bit. Isolate just a little bit. Keep the world at bay. Keep the world outside just a little bit. So this has nothing to do with the central text that we're looking at today, but I couldn't help but, but come to this just over and over. Whereas Jesus talks about here how the birds have their nests, the foxes have their holes, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his, hand, his head. Jesus doesn't settle down. Jesus isn't uh, in this life, in this existence. Jesus is always on the move, and we're following him. And you see this happening, right, where people are coming along. And, but Lord, I have to do these other things. And yeah, you forget about that. You come and follow me. This is the Jesus that we're following. I, I couldn't help but contrast this, though, to another text that I love that I haven't thought about for so long. From John, uh, John chapter 14. So in the same way that Jesus says the foxes have their holes, the birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So he doesn't have his own space. He doesn't have his own house. He doesn't have his own bed, as it were. John, he talks about this. Jesus says in verse 14, verse 1, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. Let's stop there for right now. You know, most of my life when I would hear these words... I would mostly hear them spoken at funerals. And so there was very much an expectation in my mind whenever I would hear these words that John 14 is a text about heaven. That Jesus says, I am going to heaven to prepare a place for you so that one day you can also go to heaven. I don't read that text the same way anymore for a lot of different reasons. And if you're not with me, I can only tell you that the first time I even encountered a different reading of this text in my early 20s, I was like, no, 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 that's about heaven. You don't know what you're talking about. To be clear, uh, if this is helpful for anybody, I do believe in heaven. I do believe that there is a place. Does you feel feel, feel better about this? Isn't that great? I like that. Well, good. That's good. That's one thing we know he believes in. Didn't take a stand about all the other things. I know he believes in that. I do. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. I believe in heaven. It is the place where the glory of God originates. It's not the place where the glory of God ends. Like Isaiah prophesies, the day will come when the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Uh, And the, the image that we have at the end of Revelation is there is a new heaven and a new earth. These two realities become one. I don't think that heaven is per se a far-off, distant place. In the Jewish understanding, heaven is much closer. Even the sky immediately around you is part of the heavens. The heavens are all around you. It's more 
my friend Randall likes to say heaven's more a dimension than a direction, which actually makes a lot of sense to me these days. Because heaven is the place where God rules, and the day is coming as we pray every week. This preaching is getting pretty good, isn't it, right now? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, so that these things merge. One day these things will be fulfilled, right? These realities. It's, it's, it's a dimension. It's a place where God rules, but one day we know he's going to rule openly overall. So I do believe that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I think that immediately those departing Christ are in the presence of God. They're in the presence of Jesus to now enjoy him forever. I believe that. It's just that Heaven is not the final destination, and what God wants to do is to restore the earth as well. This is all part of the, the same thing. And you've heard me talk about this before, I think, most of you. So, but, but in that spirit, though, I don't, there's nothing now to me anymore when I read John 14 that seems to directly indicate anything about heaven. Jesus says that he's going to go and prepare a place for us, that where he is, we may be also. I don't think John 14 is so much about the place that um, he's preparing for us in heaven. I hate that if you've got an image in your mind that ever since Jesus ascended, that he's, you know, well, that's why he was a carpenter. He's still, <laughs> he's wearing a little hat and he's sawing and he's building. And it's like this massive Habitat for Humanity project for 2,000 years to get your new pads set up. Because we're thinking like MTV Cribs, like, my place needs to be ready. I hope you're still working on that. Like, I don't, I don't think that's the kind of space that Jesus is talking about here. It came out so much funnier than I'm in. I think, the kind of, I think the kind of place that Jesus is talking about here is not about heaven. It's not about a geographical location. The place here is the heart of God himself. God is the place. God is the destination. God is the home. In him we live and move and have our being. In my Father's house, Jesus says, are many rooms, many rooms. The home that we're looking for, the home that we long for, that which we crave, the thing that even more than the places that we dream about, that we most ache and long for in the middle of the night, is to be with him. God's presence is the home. And wherever we are with him, wherever we abide in him and his words abide in us, and we have union with the Father, there is a way that we are at home no matter where we are because we're, we learn to be at home in the presence of God. That doesn't make this other kind of homesickness or restlessness go away. There are people that are departed that we miss that we can't wait to see again. We're, look, we are looking forward to that day. There are some kinds of longings I really believe will not be entirely fulfilled in us until, to use Paul's phrase, instead of seeing through the glass darkly, we see face to face. There are some things that won't be fulfilled between now and then. Yet at the same time, what I do believe is possible now, even while we don't feel like we quite have a nest, even while we don't feel like we quite have our own hole, our own spot, our own house, our own place to lay our head, even though it feels like the world is moving rapidly and Jesus is moving rapidly, and we don't know what's going on, there still is this way that we can come home to the heart of God, the place that has already been prepared for us, that we can enter into, that place that is accessible to us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It never shuts down. It never closes. God is always available. God is always present. God is always around. That, that, is, that is the place that is the place that we're called home. That is the kind of home that we can have, even while there's a part of us that's still longing, even though there's a part of us that's still 
homesick. Is this making any sense at all? God is, God is the home. God is the destination. And so long as you think, so long as I think that any other place, any other destination, any other spot, any other piece of land is somehow going to fulfill me, just, it's just not going to happen. That settledness may not come on this side again of the veil. So I really don't intend for this to be a long sermon, believe it or not. So I really, I think this, is, this last thing is all I really, really want to say. When I think about what it's like when I build my own nest, when I think about what it's like for me to try to construct my own little house, when I think about my fears and the part of me that puts myself out there and engages and then just wants to retreat from the world and from everyone and just wants to hide, I realize that whenever I'm looking to kind of build my own house, whenever I'm trying to kind of construct my own space, it's always for me. And even if you're thinking more generously here, it's for me and mine, right? It's for me and my family. That's always the way that goes. And yet, the, the Jesus who says that foxes have their holes and the birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He then talks about, though, about going to prepare this other place. And that, for me, is what's so beautiful about Jesus, is that the home that Jesus goes to build is not for himself. It's a home for others. It's a home for us. It's not his own space that he's constructing. He has been making space for us. He's been making room for us. So instead of home as retreat, instead of home as a pulling away, for Jesus, the kind of house that he's building is a house that's going to have many rooms. It's going to be a house with a lot of space. There's going to be infinite room for any and all kinds of people to come. And even to this moment, the spirit and the bride are whispering to the wayward sons and daughters, come, come, come home. That is... The, the kind of spirituality I want to have, that's the kind of life with God that I want to build, is instead of continuing to try to find my own safe space, can I join Jesus in becoming the kind of person that's always attempting to make space for others? Can I become the kind of person who is always looking to build God's kingdom in a, such a way that will make space for someone other than me? So instead of taking care of my own needs, instead of taking care of my own desires, that my whole life could become more and more about making space for others. Because that's what Jesus is doing. That's what God is doing, always finding ways to make space. And I think the thing that is, and this feels a little odd to me somehow, but it's all I got. Um, for everything else that's been said, this for me is really, actually the, the kind of the central thing that I just feel strongly today is that I just think that there are a lot of us who are living in places where, with all the things that are changing in the world, some of which are very unpleasant, right, and feel kind of chaotic, with all the things that are always changing inside of you, and your relationship with God is dynamic, and again, we're following a Jesus who's on the move, and all that's very scary for those of us who want to be settled. It's interesting how the more that we do that, that whatever place we've called home before, whatever house that we've had before, whatever it is that we've built so far, all of a sudden, starts to feel really, really small. Starts to feel really constricted. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever gone back to some of those places that shaped you when you were young? And in your mind, they loom so large, they're enormous. 
And then you go back to that house, you go back to that place, you're like, oh, wow, this is actually pretty small because you're not so small anymore. And you're going back and you're seeing the world through very adult eyes. There's something that happens, I think, that the more and more we grow in God, who is roomy, who is large, whose heart is always open, the more and more that we grow in that God, the more our old constructs of that God start to feel smaller and smaller and smaller. I thought this little world I had, I thought this was, this was everything. I thought my tribe was the only tribe. I thought my people were the only people that mattered. <laughs> Somehow I'm thinking about Elijah here, running from the, you know, the prophets of Baal and Jezebel and all that stuff is going on. I'm the only one left that's serving you. Then has that revelation that one day, oh, 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 there's 7,500 others that I don't know about that are out there. There are more people that God loves. There are more places that God's spirit is moving. That institutional structure starts to feel smaller and smaller. That little country church feels smaller and smaller. That belief system that was so rigid and so tight, and you built those walls it's just airtight. You built everything to be so secure and so strong. All of a sudden, it just seems so much smaller but much bigger than any ideas about God, more than any particular belief systems, more than any particular places. The bottom line is the God that you tried to make a home in before actually seems pretty small now because now that that God just keeps getting bigger and the more that you're exposed to the largeness of your heart, the more, or of his heart rather, the more it's stretching your own heart. Your own heart is getting bigger. The old clothes don't fit nearly as well as they used to. Uh, the, the place that before felt cozy, all of a sudden, <laughs> it, are those different words? If, you're try, if I was trying to sell you a house that was 200 square feet, I wouldn't say, I know that's a, that's a thing right now, right? It's micro houses or something. I don't, I don't watch their television shows, so I don't really know, but I know that something about this exists. Is that micro houses? So it's like tiny houses. Okay, yes, thank you. Uh, yeah, so like if I'm trying to sell you that, then I, the, the, I would think the selling point, right, is it come to this like super small space. I would think what you say is cozy. <laughs> come to this cozy space. Before small was synonymous with cozy. Now small isn't cozy anymore. It's just small. <laughs> I have issues in certain houses because oftentimes the way the showers are constructed in such a way to where it hits me right here. <laughs> and I'm just like... Can I ever take a shower that like get like my whole head, like my whole body just goes under the thing? It just feels small. It just feels small. Just feels constricted. And I, I'm doing a lot of things, but I, I, I'm trying to, I, I really want to say just this one simple thing. I wonder if this sense of constriction that we hate so much and this sense of God always expanding us and stretching us in ways that we don't want. And this sense that the house that we knew before and that felt so comfortable and good, like getting small, that feels so awful. I wonder if that's not what you're supposed to feel. I wonder if that's not really what God is doing. In fact, I wonder if there really is growth in grace. If the house isn't getting smaller and God's heart doesn't seem bigger. If God's heart isn't becoming more expansive to you and you're feeling the wideness of his mercy more and more, 
and the house doesn't start to feel a little whatever. I wonder if we're still following that Jesus who's always on the move. Uncomfortable, challenging. Well, what does that resolve? Does it resolve anything, right? This is so, uh, that's what's so frustrating about it is that the way that God is always stretching us so that we have to trust him in new ways so that yet the world doesn't feel stable, probably is not going to. My life doesn't feel stable, probably is not going to. (laughs) What would it look like to get a little bit more at home in the restlessness and to say, so long as I can be here with God, so long as I can be joined with God, so long as I can be close to him, and I know that I'm close to him, I'm all right if some other walls continue to be knocked down and some other things have to be reconstructed. What I know about the Father's heart is this. You know, one translation says that, not many dwelling places, but many rooms. The Father's house is a house that has many rooms. It's a house that has many spaces. And what I know about the heart of God is that the Father's house is not yet really the Father's house until he's got all his kids home. So, so long as there are still lost children out there that have not yet come home, the restlessness continues. The restlessness continues to fester because the house that the Father has built is not yet full. The table that Jesus has spread for an invitation is now for, for, to come and feast. The table is not yet full. And the only way, this is, what I, this is what I've learned about me, is that when I, get, is when I really do get safe and secure and settled, I lose the restlessness for the kinds of people that the Father is so desperately pursuing. When I am settled, I am not chasing the way that Jesus is chasing. When I am settled and I am feel too secure, I'm not running after folk the way I know that God has come running after me. When I get settled and I get secure, I'm not pushed to do that. So I'm just wondering if more and more if these days, if there's not a way that God almost has to afflict us and keep us uncomfortable and keep us restless because otherwise we won't stay on mission with him. We won't do it. It'll become too much about us. It'll become too much about our own space. So he has to keep stretching. He has to keep expanding us in really uncomfortable ways so that we will continue to move with this roomy God, so that we will continue to expand this invitation, so that we will not be content with anything less than having all God's sons and daughters back. And until that, we keep keep pursuing, we keep chasing. I think I'm over preaching a thing now, so stand with me. Do you love that powerful ending right there? I'm talking too much. Please stand. It's a really, really amazing way to end a sermon. I just want to, um, I really do want to pray for just a moment before we go to the creed. And the you know, this is just one of those things where I just, I hope that you can really hear this with ears of the Spirit because my, I feel like I'm talking about this in this broad shotgun kind of way and I feel like it's supposed to just get really, really particular. I actually think the win for me in this moment would be, I really feel like there's some of you who are just pursuing God so passionately right now, your heart is for him and your heart is for the things of God and you so want him and you so want to do what he wants you to do in the world and you feel like this restlessness and this homesickness or whatever, like there's something wrong with you. I just love to kind of affirm there's nothing wrong with you. (laughs) 
I would love for you to know that, that this may actually be a discomfort that the Holy Spirit is engineering in you. And the fact that it's so uncomfortable is precisely because you're growing up, you're still growing, God is still growing you, God is still building the house, God still wants to use you to bring other folks into the house. And I just love to encourage you that precisely because you're so uncomfortable, you may be on the right track. And that a lot of that discomfort, it just, it's, it, it's, it, these are things the Holy Spirit's doing. Let, so, Lord Jesus, I just ask now, knowing that you are the one who uh, leads us by your Spirit into all truth, we just know, God, that you're, you are not done. You are not done in Tulsa. You are not done in the world. There are too many people who don't know your name. There are too many people that don't know your grace and your love. And I pray, Lord, that whatever pebbles you have to put in our shoe to keep us uncomfortable, God, we receive that. We will accept that, Lord. Agitate us as much as we need to be agitated to stay in grace, to stay in your presence, to stay living with the sense of desperation. I pray, God, that you would give us the grace this morning to um, just to glimpse something of the wideness of your heart, Lord, the wideness of your heart for every person that's here, for every person that listens on the podcast, for folks that don't know anything about the name of Jesus yet, but your heart is so wide for them, Lord. And I just pray, God, that you would teach us how to make a home with you in that space, that, Lord, in this world in which we feel so homesick, that we would make a home in you and that you would teach us how to be like you, teach us how to love like you. Teach us, Lord, teach us, Lord. And I just pray, God, that you would, whatever this means, whatever this looks like, where the house is too small, let the walls fall down. And we pray that we would be content with nothing less than your house and that our table would not be enough. It's your table. Make us fit for those spaces. We ask this name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Sanctuary Church. If you're in the Tulsa area, we invite you to attend one of our weekend services on Sundays at 8.30 a.m., 10 a.m., or 11.30 a.m. If you would like more information about who we are and what we're about, or to partner financially with what God is doing through Sanctuary, you can go to our website at SanctuaryTulsa.com. You can also download our mobile app from the App Store and Google Play. We hope you'll join us next week. Grace and peace.